0: Welcome to Strong Tower Baptist Church's podcast. Thank you for joining us today. If you'd like more information about our church, please visit us at strongtowerbaptist.org. Today's title is found straight in, the, in our passage today that we're going over, and it's the word reconcile. Reconciled is today's sermon title. Few things are sadder than a glance at a one-time strong relationship between people. Now, it could be a marriage. It could be a friendship. It could be uh, a friendship. But there's few things sadder than to see what once was strong unity between uh, people in a relationship. And now that is severed and it's torn apart. It's just kind of sad to see those things. We see those things in... In sports, those that are sports fans, when you think of back in the day in in our, uh, in our the NBA, there used to be dynasty teams. They had, uh, you know, teams didn't really break up that much. If you left the team, it's because you wasn't really all that valuable to them. But back in those days, the, the, the starting five would a- almost always stay together. They were dynasty teams, and uh, you'd see them split up. We see that in music. Now, uh, obviously, we're all listening to Christian music today, and I, I encourage you to do that. But even in music, secular music, you see where uh, bands and things like that, they were once strong, uh, strongly tied together, and then they split. Either the front man left them or anything. I'm still waiting for Steve Perry to join back up with journey. I'm just saying, I thought, Lord, forgive me for saying that from the pulpit. But nonetheless, <laughs> there's still hope. He's still breathing. But anyway, <laughs> Amen. Some of y'all wondering what is he saying? What is those? How I many knows what I'm saying? Amen. The rest of you are just lying. <laughs> Friendships, we see people part ways, and sometimes even in churches, people part ways. Sometimes people are called away in ministry. Sometimes people are called away to serve in other places. Sometimes people part ways because they do so every 12 to 18 months in church and. You get used to being around people and you love one another and and then people part ways. And it's sad when you look at that. Even when it's for good reasons, it's still sad. But then fewer things are also any sweeter than the moment these relationships are reconciled back together in harmony. That's what heaven was so special about heaven is even when relationships split down here for whatever reason, when we get to heaven, there's not going to be any sin present, and we're going to all be united together in unity and in harmony, and I'm looking forward to that day. Amen? So, talks begin to happen. Forgiveness is granted. Joy, peace, and harmony begin. And the most important thing, uh, it's begins to happen through the Lord Jesus Christ. So what is the word reconciliation? What does it mean? What is that? What does that word mean biblically? It means that there is a removal of any barrier or any impediment between what was once unified, reconciled, to bring back a former state of harmony. When God created Adam and Eve, there was harmony between Adam and Eve and God. If we read through Genesis, we see where they met in the cool of the day. It was a normal, it was a normal day. It was a normal routine for them to talk to God, amen, and for God to speak to them. And we know the story goes that the fall of man happened when the the serpent, he tricked Eve into partaking of the tree, uh, the knowledge of good and evil that God clearly said, do not eat of this tree. And Adam was not off by himself. He was right beside her if you read the text. So he is the first husband to not lead his home. Adam knew what God had said. Adam knew that they wasn't supposed to eat of the tree of of knowledge of good and evil. But Adam is right beside her and he never opens his mouth. And the fall of man happens and guess what? God and man... Are separated. You can look at the the closest relationships in humans, between humans, and it's sad when they're separated. But there's never been a sadder day than when the fall of man took place and God and man were separated. There's this great between man and God and there's no way for reconciliation to take place. There's no way that a holy God, a righteous judge could have a relationship with sinful man because he's so holy and he's so righteous but today we're going to talk about reconciliation. Look at verse number 20 the first part of verse number 20 the Bible says and having made peace through the blood of his cross. Number one we have been reconciled to peace peace between God and man you see man is hostile and says there is no God you look today right now in our culture and you see hostility you see unsettledness. You see the lack of peace, the lack of joy. You see a bombardment of anger in our culture today. We Listen, for people that are so violent in our culture, they are the most sissified at the same time. You can't say anything that doesn't, that doesn't offend them. And, and I mean, they get so offended and they carry their feelings around on their sleeve. And if you knock their feelings off, then they want to take a ball back to your car. Your head, your home. Amen. We see that people are afraid to talk about these things. But if you want to see what's going on today in the racial divide, if you want to see the injustice, you look at all of it. It all is derivative of what happened in that garden when they partook of that which God said, don't touch. That is what is wrong with our culture today. Man is hostile. It says there is no way that you can know there is a God. And if you could, you could not possibly have a relationship with him. That's agnostic or agnosticism, if you will. Not denying there is a God. But if there is, there's no way you could possibly have a relationship with him. And you know what? There is a God. And there is no way you can have a relationship with him except by one way. And that is the Lord Jesus Christ. Man says, I want nothing to do with God. You don't have to teach a child to lie. You don't have to teach a a child to be stingy. You don't have to teach a child to be rude and obnoxious and to be self-centered. Why? Because it's in us at birth. You don't have to teach a child to do wrong. Man says, you know, here is what I think God is like. And here's what God is, who he is and what he's like, and I'll shout it to the rooftops. We went through that a couple weeks ago when we were talking about the different religions. Man creates a a God in his own image, which is actually a false God. But the Bible teaches us who the true and living God is. The Bible teaches us that God came to us in flesh, and he has a name, and his name is Jesus Christ. How many knows him in here today? Praise the Lord for that. Romans 5.1, therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. I've laid down my head last night. Did I lay my head down last night with a sinless day that had preceded me? No. No, but I laid my head down in peace last night because I have peace with God because Jesus Christ has reconciled me to God. That which I couldn't attain on my own, Christ did for me. Sometimes we get so used to to, to uh, hearing how the gospel works and how we've been saved that we almost we almost yawn at it. But we should never get over the fact that we were sinking deep in sin and there was no way or no hope to get to God. But Christ. Re- Reconciled us to God, and because of that we have peace. And I thank God for that. Man must be reconciled to peace uh, to the peace of God, because he does not have any peace. Without the peace of God, man wanders aimlessly around seeking to find satisfaction and peace in all the wrong places. Sometimes we look for peace in money, sometimes we look for peace in fame, we look for peace in relationships, we look for peace in in larger homes, nicer cars, and and, in career, and all these different things. Sometimes we look for peace even in our children, we look for peace in our relationship with our spouse, and all those things are not bad things, those are good things, but there is no lasting peace in anything, because everything can change. Your child can grow up and be an absolute mess. Did you know that? Your child can grow up and be an absolute mess. Your child can grow up and be something that is very disappointing. You can lose your job tomorrow. You can lose your health tomorrow. You can lose all of your investments and your investment portfolio. Some of y'all saying, I don't even know what a portfolio is. Well, for those of y'all that do, it can all crumble tomorrow. So our peace cannot be on anything besides Christ. And Christ is going nowhere. He is high and lifted up on his throne. He sits at the right hand of God. He makes intercession for you and I all the time if we know Christ is our Savior. He works uh, without the peace of God. Man wanders aimlessly around seeking to find peace and satisfaction. Man works frivolously to sustain his future and surroundings, but with the peace of God. I dealt with this a few weeks ago, and I mean no disrespect by this, but why do we, now hear me out on this. This is not a, I'm not, I'm not pushing fault or anything like this, but hear me out. We see man today making every attempt possible to live. Do we not? You say, what do you mean? Listen. I'd like to have the money back that I've got in hand sanitizer on my hands. I'm being serious. I do it all the time. All the time, washing my hands. People are wearing face masks to be protective. Hey, do what makes you feel comfortable. Do your part. But what I'm saying is we see the world transitioning to the fact that they realize that Death is imminent. Nobody wants to speed it up. That's their mind frame. I don't want to speed it up either. But the thing is, man knows there is a God. You say, Pastor, I don't believe that. Well, the Bible teaches us in Romans 1 that man is without excuse. He knows. If you're watching, listening, you're here today and you say, I don't think you can prove there's a God. I don't have to. Prove there's a God. You know there's a God. Why? Because God said you know. Amen. You know there's a God. And people, man rejects a holy God. Man rejects a God that would judge sin. Man rejects a God that would judge their actions. Man rejects that God. Man rejects Jesus Christ that He would think so much to die on the cross for their sins. Man rejects all that. Why? Because we're wicked. In our heart. The panic that we see today is a full display of a culture with no peace of God at all. Philippians 4 6 and 7. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ. Jesus. I want to live a good life in this life that we're in. I want to have a good cool home in the summer, a warm home in the winter. I want to have good food to eat. I want to have good health. I want my family to have good health. I want my boys to do well. I want my wife to do well. I want all the things that everybody wants. But the fact of the matter is all of that is in vain if I don't have peace with God. But I've been reconciled. peace with God through Christ. And I trust that you have today. Man does not possess the peace or the God of peace. So we've talked about the peace of God. Now let's look at the God of peace. People are walking alone. People are walking a meaningless path in a meaningless life when they do not possess the God of peace. Think about this. The best that we can do by our family the best that we could do by our community, the best we could do by our nation, the best we could do by our world is truly, totally, absolutely meaningless if God is not in our life. It's meaningless. When we die, it's all in vain. But if we possess the God of peace, it gives everything meaning. No hope, no peace. No God, no joy. No God, false joy. False hope is because there's no God in our life. Philippians 4, 8, and 9. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just and are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me, do. And the God of peace shall be with you. There is a reason why so many professing Christians have no peace. A large majority of them may not even have the God of peace in their life. They're a professing Christian, but they don't know the Lord Jesus. There's another reason why professing Christians don't have the peace of God. It's because we are going after everything else to have joy and peace except the Lord Jesus Christ. We look at the world and what the world has to offer. We, now hear me out when I say this. I'm not going on a legalistic rant. Please hear me when I say this. But we literally, we pursue everything the world offers. We pursue the trends that the world offers, whether it be dress trends, whether it be, uh, uh, whether it be uh, you know, uh, technolo- uh, technology, things of that, our little gadgets, things of that nature. We look for everything that the world offers for peace except the Lord Jesus Christ. And we're trying to hold on to Christ. I believe in Christ. I trust Christ. He's my Savior. But yet we're trusting in the world and politics and people and men to save us in every other aspect of our life. And that's why we are walking around miserable. That's why we come into church with our head down. And we're not willing to raise our hand and give him praise. Because our eggs are in somebody else's basket instead of putting all our eggs in his basket. We must know the God of peace and have the peace of God. Second part of verse 20, the Bible says, and having made peace through the blood of his cross by him to reconcile all things unto himself. We see the blood of Christ. Number two, we are reconciled by Christ's blood. The means of reconciliation is the blood of Christ. If you have a bloodless gospel, you don't have a gospel at all. It took the shedding of blood of the Lord Jesus, not just the shedding of blood, but it took the shedding of the blood of the dawn and Lamb of heaven to save us. Listen, money cannot reconcile us to God. The means of reconciliation is the blood of Christ. Family cannot reconcile us to God. Only the blood of Christ can. Good behavior and good morals cannot reconcile us to the blood, uh, to, to, to God. It must come through the blood of Jesus Christ. No animal sacrifice was ever able to reconcile man to God. Peter tells it like this in 1 Peter 1, 18 and 19. For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold... Your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. When they when they would give that, we'll we're, we're get into the history of this in just a moment. But when they would present that lamb in the Old Testament, they had to they couldn't pick a lamb that had a little brown spot or a little black spot somewhere, or maybe hid under its leg or anything. No, no, no. They had to present the best lamb that they could possibly present. Why? Because they were presenting it as a burnt offering to God that he might be appeased his punishment might be appeased for their sins when the priest of the Old Testament would kill the lamb or the bullock it was a violent death to that animal it was a violent violent death the sacrificial death the blood of Christ it represents a violent death that little lamb would squall out in pain and fear and scared and they'd grab that lamb up and they would offer those burnt offerings and the priest would take that lamb. And it was a violent, violent scene that you saw there. Why? Because that lamb was losing its life. The priest would always lay his hand lamb and often the worshiper that give the lamb or the burnt offering would lay their hands upon the lamb as that little lamb would sit there and tremble and the blood would gush out of that lamb's throat And every ounce of blood would flow out and that lamb would sit there and it would squall and it would cry and it would kick and it would would squirm around and they would lay their hands upon that lamb to identify that punishment, that pain that that lamb was feeling was the punishment that they should feel for their sins. The act of laying hands upon the dying sacrifice was an act of imputation of their sin to that suffering lamb. It was, sign- it was symbolizing them laying that upon the lamb. That which they should deserve is on the lamb. Amen. There were three grades of burnt offerings offered based on socioeconomic standards in Old Testament times. The first was bulls or bolts, were offered from the wealthier tier of folks, which means not everybody had bullets to offer. That was one type that was offered. Secondly, sheep was offered. Lambs, if you will, were offered by your middle class folk. Those that had some, they would offer that. And then there were the lower tier, lower class or socioeconomic class of people that really didn't have a lot. They would offer pigeons and turtle doves. But the same thing happened. That animal died, and that priest would lay its hand upon there. And as I said, oftentimes the worshippers that gave the sacrifice would lay their hand upon. Now imagine this. imagine it, follow me for a second. They offer, the, the, the wealthier offer a bullock to be sacrificed. Their family's around. They could lay their hand upon that. No problem. The family could lay their hand upon that. That priest could lay that. Then there's a lamb. You got a little bit smaller animal. And then you get down to the lower class people and all they could offer was a pigeon or a turtle dove. Hey, you got four or five people in the family. It's kind of hard to lay hands on that. One thing is true, all three groups offered the best that they could, but it wasn't going to reconcile them to God. It only appeased God to keep His deserving wrath at bay for their sin. There's another side of this. It was a very expensive thing to do because when they would offer that, they would offer that sacrifice, that sacrifice would die and then they had to take the sacrifice. They could not eat the flesh of that sacrifice. They would take the sacrifice and they would burn it. Total consumption. So now this family has lost some of the livestock. They don't have any benefit as far as feeding or anything like that from it. It was a total loss. God still demands punishment for sin, but the difference is it's not with the blood of rams and sheep and bullocks and lambs, but it was from the Lord Jesus Christ. John 1, the next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him and said, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. All the other times in the Old Testament, that, that owner of that, that, that lamb or that bullock or that pigeon or turtle dove, they would, they would have to go and fetch that and they would have to bring it to be slaughtered. But the Lamb of God didn't have to go and be fetched. He came to us. He came to us because we were in desperate need, desperate need of a Savior. God, who is rich in mercy, loved us so much that he bankrupted heaven that you and I could have hope in him. Hallelujah. Thank you. Man's lamb, bullock or dove, was never enough. God's lamb was all sufficient. His sacrifice wasn't just for the rich, just for the middle class, or for the poor. His sacrifice is for all. All of heaven and earth, as I said, was bankrupted with the death of Christ. Hebrews 2, 17, Wherefore, in all things it behooved him to be made like unto his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in these pertaining to God, to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. The imagery given at the cross consists of the following. Number one, those innocent little animals did not deserve death. But the innocent Lamb of God didn't deserve death either. Those innocent little animals would sit there and quiver through the punishment or the the wound inflicted that their life may leave their body. Jesus Christ Although that lamb, think about this, that lamb, that bullock, that that, that turtle dove, they would do everything within their power to get out of the possession of that priest and that one that brought that. Why? Because they feared for their life. Jesus never even opened his mouth. He presented himself and he never bucked up on them one time. Why? Because it was God's will and plan that we might be saved. 2 Corinthians 5, 21, for he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be the righteousness of God in him. When that lamb and bullock was laid upon that altar and they were sacrificing it, it was a symbol of punishment for those people's sin. When Jesus hung on that cross, our sin was absolutely imputed upon him. 1 Peter 3.18, for Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. Secondly, it's a picture of the blood sacrifice of the animals. God always demanded sacrifice, always. Hebrews 9.22, and almost all things are by the law purged with blood, and without shedding of blood there is no remission. Thirdly, it was a picture of the result of the payment for sin. Each sacrifice died every single time. There was never a sacrifice offered up that they cut the throat of that animal and that animal walked away. That animal died every single time. Jesus Christ, when he went to the cross, he didn't just get wounded. He died. He drawed his last breath and he died. Galatians 3.13, Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is every one, that hangeth on a tree. He shall reconcile all things to himself. The last part of verse 20, he shall reconcile all things unto himself. By him I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. Revelation 21-1, and I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. This earth, this world, is, is, it's corrupt. This world is fallen. This earth is fallen. When you see, you've heard me say this before, when you see on TV, when you, when you watch the, the Discovery Channel or something like that, and you see that African lion chasing after that little goat or whatever its prey is, You know why that line's doing that? Because all that happened in the Garden of Eden. That wasn't God's intention. But what happened was man turned his nose up towards God and disobeyed God and sin entered in. All of death, all of sickness, all of cancer, all of the the chaos that we see, every bit of that is derivative of the fall of man. And this earth is fallen as well. But Jesus has not only made a way to reconcile, God's not only made a way to reconcile us back to Him, but this earth will be reconciled too. John said, I saw a new heaven and a new earth, a new Jerusalem. Amen. Listen, God's not going to lose one ounce of His creation to the fall of man when it comes to this earth and things of that nature. The Bible teaches us that they're going to be all made new. Number three, reconciled to holiness. And having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things unto himself. Look at verse 21. And you that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled. He's reconciled us. To holiness. Verse 22: In the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. Man chooses to hate God and display hostility toward him. Let me show you this. Now, I'm not talking about the pandemic stuff. Let's just pretend like none of that's going on. Times are normal, okay? I don't want anybody to get twisted up in what I'm referencing. THERE ARE MILLIONS UPON MILLIONS UPON MILLIONS OF PROFESSING CHRISTIANS THAT WILL NOT COME TO GOD'S HOUSE. THAT'S A PROBLEM, BECAUSE HE COMMANDS US TO. THERE ARE MILLIONS UPON MILLIONS UPON MILLIONS OF CHRISTIANS THAT WILL NOT SUPPORT THE WORK OF THE LORD JESUS CHRIST, EITHER MONETARILY, PHYSICALLY, PRAYERFULLY. There's a problem with that. So, let us not get bogged down in talking about what lost people do. What about professing Christians? We have to fight to the day we die with arguing against the Holy Spirit. Human beings are, we, we are born as little rebels, are we not? But we've been reconciled to holiness. Genesis 6 5, look at, look at how man is born with hostility toward him. Genesis 6 5, and God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. It didn't say it was only on evil continually, it says that the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Jeremiah 17, 9, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? John three nineteen. and this is the condemnation that light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. God's not on the short end of the stick of reconciling man to him. God's did his part. It's not God's doing His part. God did His part. He sent Jesus, the darling Lamb of God, and He died on that cross for our sins. And anyone that comes to Him in faith and believes in His heart that Christ is the only way to heaven, the only way to God, believes upon His sacrificial death, the Bible says that God will save him. We hope you enjoyed the podcast today. If you would like more information about our church, please visit us at strongtowerbaptist.org.